and welcome to our Top of Mind podcast. In this program, we will sit down with a higher education technology thought leader and discuss the projects they are working on now and into the future. I'm your host, Caitlin Elkani, Vice President of Client Services and Cybersecurity Research at the Tambellini Group. I'm joined today by Jerry Waldron, who serves as the Chief Information Officer at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. Over the next few minutes, we are going to hear about challenges and opportunities at a resource-constrained institution. Let's get started. Welcome to the program, Jerry. Thank you, Caitlin. I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to chat with you and, and, uh, and your listeners. Uh, and I you know, look forward to kind of exploring uh, the, the topic and also what we've been, uh, what we've been experiencing uh, over the last uh, few years. And, and we anticipate we will going forward. Uh, we're a lot like a lot of institutions, and, and we'll kind of drill into that a little bit. I understand that the University of Maryland Eastern Shore is a historically black land-grant institution with approximately 3,000 students. What are some of your core mission-critical imperatives? Right. Well, that's a, that's a good question. We, we are an HBCU, a historically uh, black college or university. We're in that category. Uh, we are an 1890 land-grant institution. Uh, we're, we're small with a total enrollment of about three, uh, 3,000 at the moment. Um, at one point, we had as many as 4,500 students, so that enrollment has dropped in the last couple of years for a variety of different reasons. Uh, we're pretty, we have a pretty diverse uh, curriculum. We're, we're uh, small, but we're also a doctoral research granting institution, so we have that research one uh, focus as well as the undergraduate programs. Uh, to give you a couple of examples, we have traditional uh, programs like education, business, computer science, but we all have some, also have some special programs like aviation science and a variety of different uh, healthcare professions uh, that serve our region. So we're, we're, we are a pretty diverse institution academically. Uh, yes, we're, we're experiencing, uh, you know, some challenges with enrollment. Um, but, uh, if you watch the Chronicle of Higher Education or LinkedIn or any of the other sources that are out there, this is uh, a lot more common today. I know it's true here in the state of Maryland at public and private institutions, as well as institutions, uh, across the country. Um, these are, these are times of, of great change in higher education. And I think, uh, you know, as a CIO or as a CIO at any institution, uh, we, we really need to uh, kind of hone a new set of skills, in my view. Jerry, when did you start as the CIO at UMES and what kind of working environment did you find? Well, I, I started as the interim in July of, of uh, 2018. So it's only been a little over a year ago. Uh, they had been without a CIO for two years, uh, and uh, prior to that, the, the CIO role was filled by a vice president who had uh, other responsibilities outside of technology. Um, so it really, the area was run by two directors, uh, one in IT and one in administrative computing. Uh, when I got here, part of the task was obviously uh, dealing with budget challenges, but also pulling those two groups together to form a uh, constructive and effective uh, IT team. Now, my background in the state of Maryland uh, goes back pretty far. Uh, I, I was the CIO at another institution within the state for 14 years, 
Uh, and then I went to one, one of the smaller colleges in New Jersey and another one in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, so I have 17 years as a CIO, coming up on 18. Uh, so I've been around the block a few times, uh, but I have to say that every institution is different. And uh, at this institution, I found that obviously since enrollment uh, had dropped over the last three or four years, uh, that uh, we were in the middle of some serious budget cuts. We had lost about 20% of our staff, and we had lost about 45% of our operating budget. Um, so that's a story in itself. I recently read that overall state funding for public two-year and four-year colleges in the school year ending in 2018 was more than $7 billion below its 2008 level after adjusting for inflation. Have you been impacted by state budget decisions? Well, you know, y yes, but this goes back a lot further than 2008. Uh, when I started in, in higher education, uh, really three decades ago, um, we, we were in a much better position financially. The states across the country uh, played a much bigger role in funding higher education within their states. Uh, that has been declining for the last two or three decades. And uh, so there's, you know, we, we're seeing that uh, the state-funded institutions are, uh, are, are just having to be more entrepreneurial and more focused uh, on their own uh, programmatic uh, fund generation and, um, and really manage their own uh, destiny uh, a lot more than they used to. And, and of course, we're dealing with some of the, the uh, criticisms and challenges uh, from the public because we are, um, you know, we're, we're charging more for more services, but at the same time, they may not know that state funding has been uh, consistently declining. Now, that's that's part of the issue, but I think a bigger part for a lot of institutions like ours has been the enrollment downturn over the last couple of years. And I'd like to talk a little bit about that because I don't want to lean too much on the state funding because that's been kind of a way of life for most of us. You know, we're in we're in some interesting times. Um, the uh, the first thing I, I, that I think you know everyone uh, sees when they when they uh, when they watch the news at night is that we're really in, the, in, a, in a booming economy right now. Now that's great news for many of us and our four hundred one ks and that type of thing. But higher education is always in sort of an inverse relationship with the economy. And again, in all my years in, in higher education, I've seen that when the economy is doing well, there are job opportunities, there are there are places for individuals to go and succeed and grow. Uh, they're not necessarily uh, needing to uh, come to an institution, whether it's a two-year or four-year school, uh, to get that skill to prepare for the next opportunity. So that affects your pool of students. Uh, so the strong economy is not necessarily a, a great thing for, for higher education. Uh, there's a lot more competition going on in the space. Uh, just this week, uh, NACAC, which is the National Association of Admissions Counselors, uh, actually made a change at their annual meeting in their code of ethics that uh, is somewhat influenced by the Department of Justice over the last few years. But they're encouraging competition uh, to even a greater extent than they have in the past. So the, the hope there is to drive down costs for consumers um, but uh, it kind of lets you know where we're headed over the next couple of years. Uh, you know, basically institutions that had a student committed to their institution uh, didn't have to be too concerned about competition from uh, other other schools 
um, because there was really an ethical code to uh, to sort of keep folks in, in a check. And that's that's going to be changing over the next couple of years. So it'll be a, a, a tough market for colleges and universities as the competition is ramped up. Uh, I think uh, to cost, uh, you know, students are taking a look at a variety of pathways. Those students that are pursuing a degree are looking at a variety of different pathways to getting that degree. They may take some courses online while they're in high school. They may go to a community college. Uh, they may take a mix of online and, and in-person classes. They may take courses over a number of years as a part-time student. There's just a myriad of different pathways to a degree that are out there. Uh, and that's great for, for students, but it can be a little challenging uh, for institutions because, again, competition is ramped up. And, you know, that traditional 18-year-old who's, who's on your campus from 18 to 22 or something, um, you know, that number is just dropping. Um, and, and another thing that, that I, I, I just actually realized over the past, uh, oh, just in doing some research in preparation for this conversation, is that really since 2008, you know, when we had the, the Great Recession, they, the number of, of, of babies being born has actually declined uh, during that period and in subsequent years. And that you'd think that that may not have much of an influence on us today. But, uh, you know, it will, uh, you know, all the way through uh, 2026 and beyond. Uh, so we will see a smaller population of students uh, to uh, to be even be applying to our institutions. So there, there's a lot of demographics that are that are at play here. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think colleges and universities are are going to have to. Uh, to kind of reinvent themselves uh, and, and really kind of hit that target population and be a lot more aggressive about uh, what they're looking for, where they look, how they look. And that has an impact on what we do in IT. I mean, we, we definitely need to be strategic partners. You've brought up this idea of enrollment and enrollment numbers tied to really big demographic shifts out of your control. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about this idea of, of access and equity and, and dig more into enrollment. Research shows that both access and equity are threatened when higher education institutions are underfunded, separate from some of these larger demographic trends. What do you think IT's role is in supporting access and equity generally? Well, I, th I think, you know, having worked on, I've uh, worked at a couple of public, other public institutions as well as uh, one private institution for a bit. And, you know, when you are dealing with a, with a campus environment, we're, we're not a virtual campus, we're not an online campus, we're not in an urban center where, where we have a lot of evening students and evening programs. Um, yes, we're research one, but, uh, you know, we, we still, uh, our, our big target is, uh, is uh, students in, in that uh, younger demographic, uh, for the most part, uh, as well as professional programs. And, and I think, uh, you know, IT, you know, when, when you're dealing with that population, uh, the needs and wants of, of uh, students are similar uh, in any institution you, you go to. Um, and I've been in this a long time. Um, you know, I can remember back to, you know, when, when we took legacy systems to the web, uh, when we had, I even go back to Y2K and during that period and um, after Y2K, we ended up putting in a lot of web-based systems to do just a whole bunch of things. And, and, and the students that, that are here now have grown up in that environment and the expectation is that we 
we will not only be on the web, but we'll be as effective as most of the retailers that they work with on a daily basis or they interact with. Um, so the expectation level has gone up dramatically over the last uh, decade or two. And, you know, I think from IT's perspective, uh, you know, we, we need to meet those, those requirements. Um, and again, regardless of your funding level, uh, IT is really a, uh, a fixed cost. And, um, you know, if we're going to serve, uh, you know, any particular uh, group of students, we, we need to be able to provide the services that they need and they want. Uh, so when enrollment uh, goes up a little bit or down a little bit or whatever, we, we still need to be on the job with supporting uh, uh, the students, supporting the classrooms, supporting the networks, supporting the software systems that are needed. Again, a lot of these, if we go up a thousand or down a thousand uh, students, they, they still need to be be there. Um, and accessibility is um, is really linked to all of that because we you know we want our students to have the same experience that, uh, or even better, uh, as students at other institutions. So, um, you know, we we uh, you know I, I think IT really needs to. Uh, to do a variety of things to uh, to help accessibility and to help enrollment. You know, I, I've been talking to people just as, as recently as, as today, as a matter of fact, about our need to clarify and, and, and reestablish our our commitment and our visions. We, we need to get closer to our core business. In our case, it's enrollment management. Um, we need to uh, try and hold academics and uh, research harmless if possible. Uh, we need to reorganize uh, as needed, but maintain a customer service orientation. Uh, I think we need to review every single expense, and whether it's software, staff, or hours. And uh, we need to leverage every IT asset. I know these are tough, tough things to say, but they, you know, we, we again, I come back to to one of the one of the bullets that I mentioned a moment ago, and that's holding academics and research harmless. If we're going to meet our mission, if we're going to to uh, perform the, uh, the the tasks and the vision that, that the university expects us to, to uh, perform on a daily basis. We really need to, uh, you know, to, to be committed uh, to what's happening on the campus. Uh, in my case, I, I have to be closer to the business and the enrollment management and the student activities and the student programs than I've ever had to be before. You know, we have to operate as an extremely tight team. And all that affects enrollment. All that affects our ability to provide access. And um, you know, it's 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 a it's a different world when you're uh, you know when when you're under some tight constraints. Um, and I think you, you grow as a CIO, though. I don't want to be all negative. I think there's a lot of upside. Uh, you you just uh, you know, I remember years ago. I remember taking a course as an undergraduate that uh, talked a lot about values clarification. And, and I think that's that's kind of what we're going through uh, and, and a commitment on everybody's part to where the institution is going and who we are serving. And Jerry, how are you boosting enrollment with technology today? Well, we're doing a number of things. As I would say we're, we're, we've aligned ourselves, uh, particularly in the last year or so, we, our, our institution went through a pretty dramatic change in leadership, uh, new president, new cabinet, um, and our, uh, our whole enro enrollment management uh, effort has been re-engineered. And IT is an integral part of that. Uh, we, we are involved by providing data. Um, we provide analytics. 
platforms for people to answer questions quickly and accurately. Uh, we support uh, our CRM system, uh, which is customer relationship management. I and mean, we've supported it for a while, but I think, again, when you're going through a period of, of re-engineering your enrollment management, you re-engineer a number of these tools and you start asking yourself, you know, whether or not they're effective and how can we use them better. Um, and we're also adding, you know, adding some things like, you know, mobile apps and, and uh, other web tools that uh, students can access, you know, 24-7. Um, so, you know, there's a lot going on. Uh, I, I Honestly, I think we're more aligned with the strategy and direction of the institution than probably uh, this organization, uh, this IT organization ever has. Um, so it, it's, it's not a bad thing. I, you know, you really feel like you're, you're tight with your customers and tight with your leadership. What kind of creative solutions have you found to help mitigate the impact of budget cuts and this impact of declining enrollment? Well, I mean, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, there, there's certainly no, you know, magic bullet or, or, uh, you know, I, I think you go back to basics. Um, you know, I, I, I know over the years I've, I've pushed for things like, uh, you know, academic technology renewal, uh, you know, laptop and, and desktop computer replacement, infrastructure, whether it be network or whatever. Uh, and, 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 you know, when you're in the kind of environment that a lot of institutions are in, uh, you need to squeeze the life out of every piece of equipment, uh, and, you know, whether it be a computer or a network uh, device. Uh, at the same time, you have to make sure that you've got the right uh, security in place to, to make sure that you're not compromising uh, your network or your ability to perform. Uh, I think the key in, in my case, it was reviewing every single expenditure. Now, I, I say that slowly because I do mean every single expenditure. Uh, I personally approve every dollar that's spent, uh, and I'm not trying to micromanage. We're not a big shop. Uh, but those those decisions come directly to me. Uh, again, we're you know luckily they're coming to me electronically a little at a time. Um, but I get a chance to see who's doing what both in our department and across the campus with regard to IT spending. Uh, we we have developed standards and we're working with people to uh, in the various areas, even if they have grant funding or research funding, uh, to to try to stick to those standards wherever possible. So again, you're, it's a very active role. We, we cut, well, we, we went back and looked at our, at our uh, software expenditures uh, in detail, product by product. And, and I would really suggest that uh, any institution do this um, on a fairly regular basis. We were able to cut about 30% of our operating budget by going back and, and really asking the question, Who's using this? Why are we using this? How long have we been using this? And is it a part of where we're headed? And we were able to cut quite a bit. Um, so there's a lot more in most institutions' budgets than they think. Uh, I, I, I don't think that I've gone through the exercise um, as judiciously at other institutions. I mean, I probably would have told you that I did, but honestly, I don't, I don't think I, I did, not at this level. Uh, so, you know, it, it, again, it's not rocket science. Um, you know, another thing we're doing is, is reorganizing our staff. If I said it at the outset, we, we lost about uh, 20% of our staff and we haven't been able to replace them. Um, so we've done some reorganization. We've done some 
some, uh, you know, some shuffling of duties and responsibilities. And, uh, you know, that's, that's been, you know, a bit of a challenging process because you're, you're having to explain uh, to human resources and the leadership exactly why you need to make the changes that you need to, to, uh, to make uh, and, uh, you know, compensate people fairly and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but again, we're, we're squeezing the life out of every piece of equipment. And I hate to say it, but we're probably squeezing a lot out of our staff uh, as well. Um, you know, I also have, have something set up on my desktop that, uh, if, if a ticket, uh, whether, you know, in, in any area, uh, comes in and is not attended to in the two week cycle, uh, I know about it. Um, and we, we can take action. Again, we're trying to hold academics and uh, research and, and as much as possible administrative units harmless. So it's kind of getting, getting to basics that, that honestly, I don't think most CIOs uh, very often get to, uh, even if, you know, if an institution is, is doing okay and the enrollment is okay. And even though they'd like to have more money, um, they don't get to this level, uh, of, of really, uh, you know, maximizing every single dollar. Uh, and, and I, I don't think it's a bad thing because I, I think that, you know, it really gets you back to saying why or why not, um, all day, every day. And, uh, that's not a bad thing. You've given some advice during our discussion to institutions who might also be working within a resource-constrained environment. Do you have any other advice that you would give someone else in your position? Well, I mean, I, I you know, I think, um, you know, I, I think probably the key thing, and I, and I would have said this years ago, but I think it's even more important now. Um, I think IT uh, we can debate whether or not, you know, it's seen as strategic or operational on, on different campuses. But uh, my focus has been less on where we stand uh, in terms of the hierarchy and a lot more on communicating with my team and communicating with my customers. And my customers, uh, obviously being students and being faculty members, uh, but also being uh you know, folks in the different offices around the campuses, our campus. I, I want them to know, you know, what we can do and what we can't do and when we can do it. Um, and, if, and if we can't do it, then we can't do it. But, uh, you know, we, we don't want to be, you know, uh, considered the black hole of IT or, uh, or, the, or the tech Nazi or anything like that. And, and IT sometimes can build up uh, a bit of a tough skin because of, of the criticism that we get. But I think, uh, again, when times get tough, the, the, uh, the communication is uh, all, all the more important. I mean, I reestablished a governance process here, uh, not so much that I'm looking for the members of the campus community to tell us how to run IT or even help us with priorities, but I really want to hear what they have to say, and I really want them to know what we can and cannot do. And uh, I think they can help us in terms of uh, identifying priorities, but also articulating those priorities up the line uh, and helping cabinet members and the president know um, what's truly important to, uh, to the community. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier reaffirming the vision and the values. Uh, you know, we, we, we often say we, we need to align our IT operation with the values of the institution, and, and that's absolutely true. Uh, but I think, you know, when you're in a, a resource-constrained uh, environment, you, you need to have those conversations with your people every day, and you need to walk the walk and talk the talk, so to speak, 
so that they know that you're in it too, that you understand the challenges that they have. And you're, you're really articulating or re-articulating uh, the vision and the values of the organization, but also of the campus, uh, so that you get you, you get a level of commitment, uh, or you work towards a level of commitment uh, that uh, helps you through the really tough times. Um, I, I just suggest, and I, and I know a lot of CIOs would say they do this, but a key is to advocate for your team. Um, you know, when you are uh, in a situation where you're asking folks to, to do more. Uh, you, you need to uh, to support them, whether it's looking after a uh, uh, a request for an upgrade or a promotion or a realignment or whatever it is. You, you need to advocate for your team uh, and and uh, let them know that you're really um, you know you're there for them um, because you're 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 not going anywhere if your team doesn't have your back and you don't have their back. Again, I, I would say one one piece of advice that. We, we should all do on a regular basis is uh, is ask, you know, why or why not, you know, every day. Uh, when you come into an institution as a new CIO, I've been a CIO for years, but I'm new to this institution, um, you know, to really honor uh, the opinion of others uh, and ask that question of why have we done this? Why are we not doing that? Uh, but it, it, keeping an eye all the time on your vision and values and um, not really get hung up on, on uh, you know, what was done before or, you know, uh, what the previous director, previous CIO had thought. These are different times, and, and we need to, uh, you know, we need to really, really challenge ourselves and, and challenge the ideas and policies of the past uh, and keep our eyes on the prize, as they say. Thank you so much for your time today, Jerry. I've really enjoyed learning about the work that you're doing at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore and how you and your team have gotten so creative. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. This concludes our Top of Mind podcast. Please check back with us next month for another great topic. And don't forget to purchase your ticket for the Tambellini Cloud Transformation Summit where we will explore trends in core systems, student success, big data, and more.